Prayers podcast, where we are carrying the testimonies of Jesus from generation to generation to uncover the depths of God's nature, character, and values. We pray that in each episode, the Holy Spirit inspires greater expectation of God's active presence in our lives. In Christ, we are loved, worthy, and qualified to know the Father and receive the good things He has for us. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everyone, to the Torchbearers podcast. We are so excited to be with you again. Once a week is simply not enough. So today in the booth, we have with us, of course, our co-host and incredible producer, Lauren. What's up, everybody? (laughs) It's a good day. It's a great day. And we also have our special guest with us, Molly. Hey, everyone. So excited to be here. Yeah, we, we're we so excited to have Molly on the podcast today. Uh, fun fact, I met Molly my freshman year of college, and I have just the best memories of going into her dorm room, and we would just snuggle in her bed and talk about the things of God, and we'd also just stay up all night praying together, and Molly and I just have a lot of really good memories, yeah. so I was like, we have to get Molly on the podcast, so I can't wait to see and hear what she's going to share about Jesus, because I know that it's going to be amazing. So, Molly, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so I am, my name's Molly. I, like Lexa said, met Lexa back in 2018, and I was attending Baylor at the time, attended Baylor for three years, and then transferred to TCU in Fort Worth where I've been in nursing school for the last two and a half years. Um, I graduate on December 16th this year. We're very close, (laughs) almost to the end. Um, I currently work in an emergency department in Fort Worth and will continue to work there when I graduate as a nurse. Um, And so it's kind of most of my time. I like to work out my free time and go for hikes and travel. It's one of my favorite things to do. And honestly, just go where adventure leads me. So that's kind of what I like to do. That's amazing. Yeah, Molly is one of the coolest people ever because not only does she love God and is an amazing nurse, but she can also beat anyone at arm wrestling. I'm almost convinced. (laughs) So, you know, if you ever meet her and you feel like challenging her, I don't know if she would back down from that kind of challenge. Bring it on. So, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Molly, um, thanks for that introduction. And now we'd love to hear the testimony of Jesus that you would like to share. So take it away. Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, As I was sitting and reflecting on the last couple years of life, I feel like there's so many stories that could be shared of the things of God. Um, But I feel like there are certain couple things that he's highlighted and it's a bit of a journey but I have a feeling that he's really going to highlight some specific things. And I'm excited about that. Uh, To give a little background, I grew up in a a family that loved Jesus. Um, I was born in Denver, Colorado, lived there for a couple years, moved to Kansas where my dad worked at a church. And then we moved to Waco um, when I was young, kindergarten age. And so grew up there with my dad working at a church there. Um, So really grew up in the Christian spheres, um, grew up in the church a lot and really from a young age started being exposed to the things of God and not just like Sunday school, reading the Bible, but what does it mean to hear the voice of God and what does it mean to obey? So, I mean, some of my first memories are, um, sitting at 
Tuesday group because my parents would go to staff meeting. And as a kid, we would get go to child care on Tuesday group. And we would take time every Tuesday to ask, Lord, what do you want to say? Do you have a word for somebody? So that became a very natural part of my life at a very young age. And I think that's been one of the mark, like most marking things of my story is that aspect of the character of God, of him being so relational and him being alive and active, that the word is the lifeline for us, but it's also alive and active in reading, but also in hearing his voice. That relationship is a two-way street. It's communication and it's it's daily evolving and changing. Um, so walked with Jesus through high school and then came to Baylor where I started my freshman year. And my story so my story went of Jesus kind of went from being, you know, really loved the Lord in high school, but in college was kind of when like the adventure of walking with Jesus really began for me. Um, and it was the first day I had moved into our dorm. Uh, a friend had invited me to drive to Dallas to Upper Room to go to a set. And I'd never been to Upper Room. And I was like, sure, I don't know what this is. So I went and, you know, if you've never been before, it's quite an experience. So this was like you know, quite a few years ago. And I remember sitting through the service and then getting in the car and thinking to myself, what, <laughs> what did I just sit through? Like, what did I just witness? Can you explain like, a little bit about what the upper room is? Why yes. it's an experience just yes. for anyone who may have never heard of it? Yes, absolutely. So upper room is an amazing, very spirit filled church in in Dallas. And it's a place that loves ministering to the heart of God, specifically in worship, uh, obviously in many aspects, but I think there's a very strong anointing on their body for worship. And so they have just the most beautiful spirit led and spirit yielded worship sets. And in this particular one, um, I think we sang about the blood of Jesus, like the same words over and over for probably 45 minutes. (laughs) And if you've never experienced that before, it can be it can be a little offensive to the flesh because it's so kingdom centered because it's so in line with honoring Jesus and not to make us comfortable yeah that's so good. it was beautiful and as you can imagine my flesh was very offended and i'm sitting in the car thinking how could i have wasted my first night of college going to this place where we sing the same words over and over for 45 minutes. And I'm mad. Cause like now I'm an adult and I want to go like meet people and whatever. And then I had this moment and I felt that I just was like, okay, you know what? Like, I know that the Lord was there. So I know that he has something for me because I think he's always reaching out to minister to us and to touch us and to give him more of ourselves or give us more of himself. Mm. So I was like, okay, I know I feel weird about this and whatever, but Lord, is there anything that you had for me tonight that you want to highlight? And so we're sitting in the car. It's just quiet. The girl's driving. I'm sitting there. And this was the most unusual experience I've ever had, but it was like a hand reached out from the back seat and tapped me on the left shoulder. And the clearest I have ever heard the voice of God, I heard him say, do I have permission to interrupt your life? Dang. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember in that moment, like the fear of God fell over me. And I knew that this was not a flippant question. This was not, oh, like right now in this current second, can I like say something to you? This was like, from this moment forward, will you consecrate your life and yield to my voice for the rest of your life? And I felt the permission to sit with the 
the question for a second and think, kind of weigh the cost of, if I say yes to this right now, what does it mean to let him interrupt? And sit there and go to some of the places of like, what are the things that he could ask of me that I don't want to do? What am I holding on to that I don't want to give up? What are things he could ask me to say that scare me? What are my fears? What am I afraid of missing out on? So I sit there in the car because it's, you know, we're driving back from Dallas and I just sit with that and wrestle with it. And finally, before we reached Waco, I had like come to this place of being so moved by the Holy Spirit and ministered to by his spirit and was like, yes, like, Lord, I I want you to interrupt my life. So that kind of big moment happens and I'm like, whoa, you know, whatever. And then I go back to living my normal life. You know, classes start. My, I had 7.30 a.m. chem class, first day of school. Remember which is where that. I, yep. Yes. <laughs> we actually shared that experience. And, you know, life just went on and kind of was like, okay, well, you know, keep going. So then October rolls around and I go to a college group uh, on Wednesday night and Carl Gully's preaching and he got up there <laughs> and he said, you know, I really feel like there are five people in this room who are going to get the weight of the words that I'm going to speak tonight. And I believe that the Lord wants to start a move of God. So, I mean, as you can imagine, everybody like leans forward in their seat and they're like, I like, I think as humans, we long to be chosen for something that's significant. And so like when somebody says something like that, everybody, like innately, we are created to long for something greater than ourselves. And I think that that is who God has created us to be. That is what we're created to see kingdom come and to engage with him. So you could just feel the room lean forward into what he was saying. So then he begins to share this sermon of how Every day we live with purpose because we are the wedge between heaven and hell. And we are like the bearers of hope for people to encounter Jesus. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and this is something I've heard before, but something in me was different. And I just start crying and I'm like second row. So I'm right there in front of just crying and crying and I can't get control. Worship time starts, continue to cry. Had a bunch of people come up and pray for me, got Six people said the same prophetic word of like, the Lord is touching you and moving in your heart and preparing you. And then finally, this one girl comes up and gives me a word about financial provision. I'm like, what's what? And later I pray about it. And the Lord's like, I want you to transfer to a different school for nursing school. And y'all like, I was like, no. Like, that is not God. (laughs) I'm not doing that. No, like, no. And so then I'm like, no, really, Lord, why did you want to say this? And he's like, I want you to transfer schools. So, you know, one thing leads to another and just begin this wild journey of figuring out what did that mean? And then I ended up at TCU a week later for something else, walk on campus and immediately know, like, this is where the Lord's calling me. So journey continues and you know, we get around to January. I tell my family, we work through it. I applied for the school. And, um, right after I applied for school, I, three different people in a span of one week came up to me and said, I feel like the Lord is asking you to pray about going overseas for the summer Mm. of 2019. And the issue was if I had gone to TCU in that fall, I would have had to take summer classes. And so I couldn't, and I was like, no, I can't, I can't. And by the third person, I was like, you know, okay, Lord, are you trying to say something like (laughs) rather unusual three people who all individually of each other, none having talked to one another said this to me. And so I begin this journey with Jesus of like, 
I had really begun to own the dreams and the hopes that Jesus had for TCU. And I was like, you know, growing up a Baylor fan, we did not like TCU. So it was like a big deal. And I was like getting over, you know, my own issues, whatever. But like, really, like the Lord had shared with me, like Ezekiel 37, like I want someone to go and proclaim life over the Valley of Dry Bones. And this is the place. And, you know, just, I mean, crazy, like people having dreams and prophetic words. So, so affirmed by the Lord over and over. And, um, then this opportunity comes up and I start praying about it and I'm like, okay, God, And I sit there and I pray about it. And he's like, you know, TCU will always be there. But the opportunity to take a risk and to go overseas for three months and do this with me doesn't always come. And he was like, are you willing to press pause on the thing that you initially had your expectations set on? And do I have permission to change the plan? So kind of, you know, we wrestled through that. And I was like, okay, God, here's my here's what we're going to do. If I get rejected from TCU, I will go. And he said, great. So the months roll forward. We get to April. First week of April, I get a let email from TCU. And they say, we regret to inform you that we cannot offer you a position in our class of, you know, whatever year, which multiple nursing people I had been talking with were like, you're the perfect candidate. This is great. All this. So it came as a total shock. Yeah. And I mean, so clearly the Lord was like, Will you can will you be faithful to what you said that if you would get a rejection letter you would choose to go? So I end up like yes, Lord. The next day I start fundraising, fundraise sixty three hundred dollars in like two and a half weeks. Um, just crazy start provision. So end up overseas for three months, hardest three months of my life. Come back, don't know what I'm doing. God provides a job after not letting me work for a month and just teaching me what it looks like to do nothing and be loved by Him. Um, work that stay change my major, stay at TCU for or at Baylor for a year, and then at the end of that year, the Lord's like, Okay, I want you to go back to TCU, I want you to change your major again, and I want you to go back. So, we begin that whole process again. Two months before the, the 2021 school year starts, I get an acceptance letter from TCU after having gotten five rejection letters from other schools because I was afraid to only apply to one because I didn't know if he would be faithful. So I end up getting in and I've been here for the last two and a half years. And in all honesty, like it's been some of the hardest two and a half years of my life. And, um, there has been loss and grief like I could never have imagined. Um, but I'm also seeing the beauty of God in a way I've never imagined. And I think the reason I share kind of that big picture story with some of those details is because I think sometimes we you know, we want the stories and we want the adventure, but we want it how we want it. And we want it on our timeline. And I really sense that the Holy Spirit has a better plan for us and has a greater plan for like, his glory is my blessing. Like when he gets glorified and when the kingdom comes and there are those divine moments where heaven invades earth, that glory is actually the blessing that me as a Christian and a daughter of Christ sees as the greatest thing on earth. And I think so much of this story was reframing my perspective of what does success mean? What does, what does freedom mean? What does it look like to be free of fear of people's opinions? Because I mean, people had so many things to say to me through those five year journey. I mean, 
everybody had something to say, but it was like, is there a conviction that I believe what the Lord has said to me? And I believe he's going to be faithful even when I don't understand. And so I think it's just been this wild adventure of learning that like in life, everything costs, but what cost can you live with? Like, what can you look at and say, this is worth it to me because for every yes, there's a no. And I'm learning like every time he asks me, will you do something? Will you go here? Will you say this? Every time I say yes to him, I'm saying no sometimes to the approval of man. I'm saying no to a job that seems more lucrative. I'm saying no to prestige or to fitting in or to X, Y, Z. And I think I'm learning how to find joy in the cost. And I think it's that whole thing of buying in with him that there is fear whenever something is asked of you, but do I have a revelation of who God is and the way that he loves me to understand what actually matters in life so that my yes can be true and I can stand by it even when it does cost me? Because it's not if it will cost me, it's when it will cost me. And can I be confident of what he's asked and who he said he would be for me in spite of the cost? Um, and I think I've really felt that in the last year. Like I would say the 2022 to 2023 year, like school year was probably one of the lowest points of my life. And, um, just, you know, like people have lives and plans change. And as much as we love friends and friends love us, you know, people aren't God. And it's not a matter of if people will disappoint you, it's when they will disappoint you because everyone will. And that's actually the mercy of God because if we don't get disappointed by people, we'll never learn how to know him as the full satisfaction and the one who's completely reliable. And just having experienced a lot of that, a lot of disappointment in school, um, there's not a whole lot of believers in my area of like in school or my area of work. And so just kind of feeling like, God, did you bring me out here to leave me? <laughs> and um, I've, I have never been so sure of the nearness of God in the last year. And the funny thing was like in the past, we've had these crazy stories of like radically hearing the voice of God and obeying. But in the last year, what I think he's been re revealing to me is sometimes it's not even me saying anything. It's just me being with you. That's enough. And in those nights where I was alone and sad and, you know, I'm seeing people die at work. I'm seeing really traumatic things at my job. So it's relational. It's, it's at the job. Like school is the hardest semester that we have, like so intense. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. My friendships are changing. Just all of these different things. It was in those moments that it was like, I feel crushed by the weight of all the things around me. But my soul knows beyond a shadow of doubt that the presence of God is with me. Mm -hmm. And in some way, I can't explain that was enough to get me through times that I didn't think I could. And I just so remember him saying, it's okay if it's hard. And if you cry, you just can't quit. And just like that is the truth of like, we're not asked to be perfect, but we're asked to to just take the next step in front of us, take the next step of obedience. And in the last couple months, the Lord has started to really reshape my whole life and um, providing community for me in places I never would have expected. And I mean, just like he has this way of, of doing for us 
the very best because he's not inhibited by our emotions. And I think sometimes our fear or our pain um, would make us say no to things that result in really great fruit in our life. And and I think we can get through that by saying, Lord, if you're going to ask me of it, I trust your character enough to say yes, knowing that you have the best in mind for me, even if the circumstance doesn't look good. Um, so I feel like those are just some really big things that I've been experiencing about God and ways that he's shown up in my life. And, um, I don't know. There's, it's, it's really fun. I think just life with him is fun. You know, like it, it's not textbook. Like there's not just one way that he chooses to do things. He is, he is inviting us to discover him deeper and deeper each day because he is infinite and always more. And some seasons it looks like when I was overseas, you know, one day I was praying and interceding for something and he was like, tomorrow morning, I want you to go get on a plane and go prophesy over these kids. And I'm like, what, you know, (laughs) like what? And, but I'm like, so clearly convicted, so deeply convicted that that's truth. And my whole leadership team is like, yeah, we feel like the Lord is saying to go do that. So I go and, and like half the time I think our obedience is about how the Lord actually wants to like minister to us and bless us. But we're so focused on doing things for him that he almost has to like, sneak around us and make it seem like, Oh, you're going to go do this. But really what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to minister to you and I'm going to change your life in this moment. And I end up going on this trip for three days to Bali and like praying and ministering over these kids. And then they start standing up and prophesying and like the Holy spirit falls and people are getting blessed. And then I end up having one of the most powerful encounters with Jesus that I've ever had at this place where he used somebody I didn't know And they came up to me and it was like a group of all these missionaries. And this woman came up and I was standing in the back of this room and she was like, why are you standing back in the shadows? And I was like, oh, well, I'm not really supposed to be here, you know, because like I just come into this group and she looks at me. He was like, no, this is not where you belong. And she took my hand and walked me right to the middle of the room. And she turned and she looked at me and she said, you belong here in the middle and in the light with the rest of the family and then walked away. And that has stuck with me in so many aspects of that whole story. The plane had shut. Okay. So on that trip, (laughs) the plane, like the plane going from where we were going to get there literally turned off and we fell out of the sky for a few moments and then it all came back on and we um made it back out but like the all of the aspects of risk that come with obedience but the ways that those moments when we say yes can just change everything and reframe our minds and those are the things that we hold on to when it gets hard you know like here i am all these years later thinking no i know where i belong because the Lord went and asked me to fly to another place to go and do something so that I could actually receive. And literally the enemy attacks by trying to knock the plane out of the sky, but we make it like all these things that just happen. And you're like, this is crazy. But like, this is the journey with Jesus. Like life was meant to be full into the abundance of it. And like, we are meant to be live in the land and befriend faithfulness to work hard and be faithful where we're put. But that doesn't mean that life is supposed to be desolate and dead. And I, I just, I think there are seasons like right before we started talking, the Lord took me to Matthew three and 
Matthew 3 and Matthew 4. And at the end of Matthew 3, it's right where Jesus gets baptized. And the Lord says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the next verse is, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And there's this journey of like Jesus coming into who he was made to be. And it's like, that's the beginning. And then we get led out into this place where we are tested in our heart to know who is, who is the father for me and what do I believe? And if I'm faced with every option of everything that's possible that the, the world would want to hand to me, can I look back on the history I have with God? And can I look back on who I know him to be and say that that's better and look, for, look, the enemy in the face, look the temptation in the face and say, I don't want that because I know it's better. And then knowing the way that that freedom comes in our life and like the things that come after that. Cause I feel like that's just been what this journey has been for me of like, we see scripturally Jesus raises or the father raises the church the same way he raised Jesus. Like in Acts three, when it talks about raising, like how the church was beginning to grow, we see that mirrored. And I think it's Luke three, like the same correlation between Jesus in the temple and then how he was raised before God and man. And then the young church was in the temple and then it was being raised up to look like the young Jesus was. And I think in a similar way in our story, we see the father continues to raise us as his children because we are sons and daughters and to be faced with these moments of like, by the spirit, he was led into a desolate place to have to face the things that were promised to him because the enemy comes and says, like, I will give you the world, which was the whole point of why Jesus was there. But would he have the conviction in his heart that the father knew better and that the father's plan, while it would cost him everything, would result in the life and the fruit that it was tended to have? And um, I don't know. I just think that that's like, that's the that's the journey. And to not be surprised. I think that's something, too, that I've I've noticed recently. I was so surprised when things got so desolate and when we kind of hit real rock bottom, like I'd had hard times, but nothing like I had in the last year. And I think something, something about loneliness and, and unintentional isolation. I think isolating yourself is not wise and it's unhealthy, but sometimes we find ourselves alone, yeah, not by our will, but circumstantially or whatever. And I think it just, it can eat at the soul in the way that other things can't. And, you know, I think people listening to this might have experienced that or might be experiencing that now, this loneliness that eats at the soul. And for anyone who's listening, like, I want to say, having been there and thinking it would never end, Jesus is enough and it will end because nothing lasts forever except for the kingdom of God and for eternity. And there is hope. And something crazy, I was reading back some old journals from 2018 and, um, November 10th of 2018, I was praying and talking to the Lord and he said, there will come a time when it seems like things will never get better, but do not waver in your hope for in that time, I will move like a wind across the ocean, stirring the deep places to life again. And I fully believe that that was his mercy and his subtle preparation for what was to come and that year of loneliness. And God doesn't ever get surprised by things. And I think he uses all things for himself and for your story. And so that his glory can be manifest on the earth. And I'm seeing just abundant fruit coming 
in my heart and soul in the last couple months as I feel like the winds have begun to stir. And it was a slow stirring. And I was disappointed in myself, but I was learning like he does not get disappointed like me by things because he has a bigger perspective and how he sees me is in the right and true way. And I got to get his perspective on me and my story so that I can have the right perception and perspective and expectation for my own life. And I think like Romans talks about that. Like you cannot be your own judge. Like you need the conviction of God about what is right. And you need to live and die by that. And you can no longer judge yourself. And I feel like that is the season that he's like leading me into this deep revelation of no, what do you say? What do you say about me? What do you say about my job? What is the purpose of life? And if I can get clear on these things, then everything in life becomes purposeful and everything in life becomes about obedience and intimacy and joy with Jesus. And then fruit naturally begins to bear. And when we stop, when we're stopped, it's not about doing the right thing or exceeding his expectations, but it's about knowing him and loving him and allowing him to minister to us because like a tree will naturally bear its fruit. You can't stop it from bearing its fruit. Therefore the things of God will naturally become flowing out of your life. And you know, it doesn't always look the way we think it will. It doesn't look like 30,000 people giving their life to Jesus all the time. Like sometimes it looks like us having fresh eyes to see the beauty in the world around us. Yeah. Like it looks like us having just this ability to encourage people with like divine words of knowledge. And it looks like us becoming aware of the needs of other people around us. Cause that's how he was, you know, when, when your vision starts to look like him and you start to see people like him, that is like deep fruit because you are becoming like Jesus and to have that same intimacy that Jesus had with the father. I think it's an invitation for all of us, but you know, it takes the journey of growing up as children in the spirit and then facing all the things that we would want or the things that would rob us of the true fullness of what God has intended. And can we say no with confidence, knowing that his way is better? Um, And then just continue on the adventure and say, you know what, like sometimes it will cost you everything, but like what, you know, to what end? at what point would you tell him it was too much? And I think if we can go to those places and wrestle with it and now before it happens, then when it comes, there's a peace in us to know I'm okay because I've already gone here with him. And I already know who he said he would be for me and what he would, how he would meet me here. Um, so I, I think just something like preparing ourselves, not being surprised when these things come. I wish somebody had told me that, you know, like I wish somebody had said, like somebody just sat down and was like, you got to know that choosing him and saying, yes, you have permission to interrupt my life means him and not necessarily just him, but you're going to lose everything at some point. But that is going to be the thing that will set you free because when you're free of all of it, he becomes everything, you know? And And then it's like, what have I really lost? (laughs) Right. And like, you just start getting the heavenly perspective and you start to see what really matters and you start to see him rightly. And again, I was like looking back at old, old stuff I'd written. And there was just this one part where I was like talking about the character of Jesus as like my refuge. And 
I, I had written, like, if I could never speak again, I think I would be quite content to admire you and work beside you for eternity. And just that quiet enjoyment. And then I followed with, like, how have I never seen you like this before? And that question has been ringing with me over the last couple of days of, like, oh, man, Jesus, like, what? What? How do you want me to see you? And who do you want to be for me? And I just love that there's like the vastness of the nature of God that is ever to be explored for all of eternity that I can never know too much. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that's been a lot of, it's a lot. It was a lot of random pieces and places, but I think the Holy Spirit's onto something with all of this. Oh, he for sure is. <laughs> he's, sure. Yeah. he's really good at doing that. I um, I think I want to pull out some like awesome gold nuggets that you talked about. And I think one of those is finding joy in the cost of saying yes to Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I think you made a really good point of like, when we understand, like when we, when we get a revelation of who God is and we understand his character, then it makes giving up anything, like whatever the cost may be, it makes it worth it. And we can decide like, Oh, that is, clearly worth it to say yes to Jesus over this other thing that may be a worldly desire for comfort or yes. a worldly desire to stay in the fear of man and not look weird sometimes. But like, yeah, just whatever it is, like knowing that only in God will we find full satisfaction and only in God do we find someone who's completely reliable like he is the only one who will ever be completely reliable and um just being able to lean on him when when we are disappointed by whatever it is in life I think that was so beautiful and and I was I took some notes something that you said was you were facing intensity on all sides. Like in a season, it was work and relationships and school and literally you name it. And you said, my soul knows without a shadow of a doubt that his presence is with me. Like, mm-hmm. I know without a shadow, of a, a shadow of doubt that his presence is with me. And that was enough for you to continue to endure. And yes. just the idea of endurance being greater than strength because we don't feel like we have the strength to actually endure all the time but endurance doesn't necessarily require strength and um I was just thinking I was reminded of this verse in second corinthians when you were saying that and this is Paul talking and he's talking about the thorn in his flesh but verse nine says um but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And so there's yeah. like a key, like I think Paul has given mm-hmm. us a key that we overlook sometimes of, um, I think we hear a lot, my grace is sufficient for you, you know, <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think we hear the next part of that was that I'll, I'll boast about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And there's a key that he's talking about is if we boast in our weakness and highlight and magnify the strength of God and that it will be only him that allows us to yes. endure, that is when we receive power from on high 
resting on us, like Acts 1 8 is talking about. Um, Jesus is telling his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be sent out to Judea, Jerusalem, or Samaria, to all the ends of the earth. You know, I I butchered that a little bit, but you guys can look it up, Acts 1-8. But just like, man, in their place of grief, in their place of weakness, the Holy Spirit shows up and he provides, he supplies that power that we need to continue to continue to endure and continue to say my fear is not enough for me to say no to Jesus my pain is not enough for me to say no to Jesus because the things that he's inviting me into are the things that will produce real eternal fruit in my life that won't be produced if I do what I think is better and what I want to do and maybe what seems right or natural so yes yeah. I think one of the the really key things that I've started to realize is everything in life is about perspective. It all is. Like everything, every experience you have is dictated by the perspective and perceptions that you carry. And when I started to have revelation about the perspective of God of like of eternity, my losses began to seem so small. Yeah. You know, because I'm like even relationally, I'm going to be with these people for eternity. So even if I don't live with them all the time for the rest of my life next door to them, like I can be so full in my heart knowing it's okay to give it up now because we're going to stand all together. Our hearts will be completely right before God. We will know each other in a perfect love that we've never known. And forever and always will we stand together worshiping God for eternity and And that's glorified bodies exactly (laughs) amen and like we will never be separated from each other for the rest of our life so we can be obedient now because the hope of what's to come is so much greater than the discomfort or the grief of the losses that will come that's so key the hope of what is to come is so much greater than than the cost that we would count now yeah yeah but I don't know. I think it's good. Yeah, it's so good. And just honestly, like these things require intentionality and training. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, you know, it's like a muscle or anything. Like we got to do things that challenge us or that require us to kind of go to these places and wrestle with these things. So we choose them intentionally and we don't just get swayed by what we're experiencing like there's got to be that history and that rootedness with you and Jesus to know God what have you called me to and do these things that I'm doing align with that vision and how do I train myself into obedience and how do I train myself into submission to the spirit and what am I putting in what narrative am I hearing and I am accepting over my life because that will determine so much about my outlook on life and my obedience and my perspective towards Jesus and it's invaluable I think that's exactly right um yeah wow we've talked about so much but (laughs) if you can synthesize in your mind What would you say, like, looking back as you're preparing for this and as you've just shared, um, what did you learn through this season, through what Jesus has done so many times in your life? What did you learn about God in terms of what is he like or what does he value? It's a great question. 
I think more times than any, and I think I see this more in my failure necessarily than my success, which I think is the point. But I think I see, like, his goal is for me to know him and for him to know me. And for there to be a, a oneness in our hearts above anything else. And I think I see his faithfulness in a way that I don't understand. Um, like, I think, yeah, just the continual faithfulness to me when I would walk away or when I would give up on the dreams or the things like that. And I think it's um, Ezekiel 14, maybe. But the story of the, that it's like a parable of God finding Israel and she's cast aside and, um, he like takes her in and cleans her and elevates her to a place of royalty. And, um, I don't know. I just feel like 16, 16, 14. Yeah. 16. I think you're right. I was trying to find it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That I feel like is that is my story is Mm. this, this thing that feels cast aside that's left in its blood and guts. And his voice over me is live, live. And then him growing me up into who I've been created to be and him taking me in and him cleaning me off and him dressing me in Royal robes and him giving me the best of the best and him. And it says like her beauty was perfected by the glory he bestowed upon her. Like the whole story is him like providing and giving and creating us into what we were made to be. And I also feel such a warning from that because the next verse is, and she used her beauty to play the whore. And I think that that's the place that I found myself in so many times of like, God is creating in me the eternal, beautiful woman that he intended. And I am asked to steward that rightly in relationship with him. And it is a heavy and intentional weight to carry when you carry the refinement and the work of God that's being done in your life. And how do you choose to use it? Um, And I think I haven't always been great at that. There have been moments that I've done my own thing, but the faithfulness of God, every time he is drawing me back to himself. And every time I come back, the mercy and the compassion and the words that are out of his mouth are always like abundant forgiveness and a abundant grace and abundant compassion. And never once is there a hint of resentment or resistance to me or distance. Never is there that. And I think those moments, the moments of the greatest failure is where I've seen his glory shine the greatest in his love for me. And what he wants more than anything is this unity and this oneness and this love. And it it results in such rest in life to just take it as it comes because he's enough, you know? That's so beautiful. Um, I'm just thinking about the idea that what God values the most is that oneness in the relationship. And I think when we talk about this stuff in the context of the entire Bible, like you're pulling out something of Ezekiel 16 right now that represents like how God has dealt faithfully with you and graciously with you. And then I'm thinking about, you know what, he valued that oneness in relationship with you so much that that is why he sent 
his son Jesus to die on the cross, to take the wrath on his body that we could not take for ourselves. We would never be able to pay the price. Yes. And Jesus took all of our sin and our shame and our guilt and our pain and our condemnation. He took that on the cross to the point of death, defeated death, rose again in victory, took back the keys from the enemy, you know, mm-hmm. took back all authority. And now Romans 8 says, therefore, we have no condemnation. Like those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we have no more condemnation. Like, that is something that has been dealt with by God through the gift and sacrifice of his own son. And this is the gospel, so that we would be able to come into right relationship with him. And now we have this grace, Romans 6, someone can fact check me on that. But we have this grace, which doesn't mean we just keep going on sinning. But it means that we steward the gift of God that he's given us and the responsibility to walk in our true identity, our identities as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. And that is what he wants for each one of us. And I think, yeah, Molly, I mean, I think you put it to words beautifully. I'm so glad. I, yeah, I think he's really after that. And I think you see that so much in John 17 also with the high prayer between Jesus and the father. And he's like, may they be one with each other as you and I are one. The oneness, the theme of oneness and unity is just so the heart of God. Um, And I just think that's what he values because he values relationship and he values family. And I don't know. And he's he's faithful to continue to pursue that even though we are imperfect humans who mess it up all the time, not for lack of effort, maybe usually, but he's faithful regardless of what that looks like on our end. God is the faithful one and he'll always, yeah, he'll always come back to us. That's so good. And he's not afraid to discipline too. And I think that that's something that I respect about him. I know that's kind of a funny thing to say, but I think I'm a second born and we have a tendency to test the limit of like, are you actually going to do that? If you say you will, you know, <laughs> like when mom and dad would be like, you can't do this. And I'd be like, yeah, but how, how serious are you are? <laughs> and I think that I have seen that manifest in my life of like, when you say, don't do that, what do you mean? Don't do that. Like, yeah. can I kind of do it? And like the mercy and the compassion and the love of God that I have felt in his discipline has been one of the things that has created the most trust in my relationship with him. Really good. Cause I'm like, if you are faithful to discipline me, how much more faithful are you going to be to walk with me, to love me? Like you care enough to discipline in love and to follow with relationship. Yes. And that, that is priceless in my opinion. And it's a beautiful thing, Molly, because you have shown God that you'll submit to his discipline because you trust in his character is good. Because yeah. Hebrews 12 says only good fathers discipline their children. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I think that's like twofold. Like we can choose to submit ourselves to the discipline of God and actually follow yeah. through with it. And then he's faithful again to say, I'm going to discipline you because look at how much like this other thing that you're avoiding by doing what I'm disciplining you for. Look how much better this is. Look how much better yes. my way is. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. Actually. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> like he's really good. He's so good. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. We are sadly just about out of time. But Molly, 
I would love if you'd be willing to pray for everyone listening that um, they would experience the faithfulness of God um, in greater ways than you have. And anything else you feel led to pray, we'd love that. Absolutely. Oh, Jesus, we just love you and we thank you. God, thank you for this um, unique time that we've gotten to all spend here together. Um, Thank you for the time that we've gotten to reflect on your character and to reflect on your testimony. Thank you that it's by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony that we overcome and we love not our lives even unto death. God, would you minister to us today with your love and with your compassion and with your discipline, Jesus. Thank you that um, sometimes the greatest moments of experiencing the love of God are through discipline. And would we not shy away from that? Uh, Jesus, we just ask that you would reveal your glory to us today again. God, would you um, refresh our hearts in your presence? Would you, um, I just ask for anyone who feels like the lies that spending time with God is going to be draining that it's more refreshing to go and numb out through social media or through movies or video games or being with people. God, I ask that you would draw their hearts in this this secret place with you, that it's the secret place with you that actually makes everything possible in life. And I just ask for fresh revelation of the mercies and the love of God. Would there be joy upon joy when people go to meet with you, Jesus? Would there be unity between people and you, Jesus? Would there be unity in the body, God? I just ask that there would be um, greater adventure in every listener's life than there has even been in mine, God. Would there be multiple opportunities for obedience and for the fun of God? And we just thank you that you meet us in the way that we're wired, God. Thank you that we don't have to be the same. Thank you that we're not created to be the same. No story is meant to be the same and that every story that you are writing is exactly right to the person. And I just ask for mercy over each and every person that they would have eyes to see you in their day-to-day life, Lord, that there be refreshment and, um, yeah, would you, would your Holy Spirit just lead us well? Jesus, would we just have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that are submitted and humble and are not afraid to be a bit a little bit offended um thank you and we invite you to come and offend our flesh today that we might know you more and look more like you and we bless you in jesus name amen amen well molly thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today i know we are we we've been so honored to hear about your life and to hear about all the things that jesus has done for you and um yeah to everyone listening i know how to pray and i know how to love people and i know how to love jesus better because i'm friends with molly and so i know that as you've listened today if you've made it this far uh you will you will get some of that goodness too so molly thank you so much um to our listeners thank you for tuning in we love having you every week And we hope that you are encouraged that as children of God, you are loved, worthy, and qualified to know the Father and receive the extravagant blessings He has in store for you. So come back next week to learn more about the nature, character, and values of God.